0: This podcast is brought to you by JewishPodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at JewishPodcasts.org. First of all, I'd like to thank publicly Noah Fried for everything that he's done over the past few years for Torah Anytime in Chicago, now that he's getting married near Tashem within the next couple of weeks. So we are looking for funds to get a camera specifically for this year and for the other shirim that I have. So if anyone wants to donate toward that fund, they should email me at rabbizim, R-A-B-B-I-Z-I-M-M, at gmail.com. But a thank you publicly to Noah for everything, and we will see you at your wedding. That's number one. Number two, Parsha's bow. Yud, Pasuk Ches. Yushiv it's Paro. Barad has just happened. Moshe and I will go to Paro and they say, you hated the hail. You promised us that you'd let us go. As long as we dove and we got rid of the hail, so now let us go. And Paro said, absolutely not. I'm done. So his, the astrologers, the Khartoumim, everybody came up to Paro and they said, don't you realize we're done? This is over. This has not worked out well for us. We've had seven Makos. They've been horrible. Barod was the worst of the worst. It's Kol Magief What are we doing here? So therefore, in Pesach, Chaz vayu Shavus Moshev and al Paro. Moshe and Aaron were returned to Paro. Vayomer lelim and he said to them, "Lachuivdu Go serve Hashem your God." Mivamim yaholachim. Said Paro, "Who's going to go?" Who's going to this Chag of yours? We're going with our youth. We're going with our elders. We've got our sons. We've got our daughters. We're going with our sheep. We're going with our cattle. And that's when Paro turned to him and said, You're crazy. You're not taking your kids. You're not taking your sheep. You're not going all over. You're not obviously leaving everything out. That, that means to me that you're all escaping Mitzrayim. You're not doing that. And obviously we know what happened. Pa- Makas Arba happens, then Choshech, then of course Makas Bechoros. There's a few problems with the Pasuk, meaning Pasuk Ches. First, the word Bayushav sounds like Moshe and Aaron didn't return on their own. They were returned. It doesn't say Bayashivu that they returned on their own. Bayushav, somebody brought them back. Why did someone bring them back? Also, the words Es Moshev, Es Aaron are seemingly out of place. The word Es indicates something else. They returned Moshe and Aram. Moshe and Aram were brought back. There's no need for an S over here. What's it adding on? And these questions are asked by almost all of the Akronim. It's asked by many of the Rishonim in a certain way, shape, or form, depending on how you look at it. The question is what happens over here. So Rashi says the word of Ayushah indicates that Paro was not the one who sent for them, but rather the advisors to Paro sent for them on their own. The wording that he uses sounds like he wanted to officially free them, but he didn't want to say anything, so they went, they went ahead, meaning the Khartoum went ahead and brought them back, the advisors of Paro, they brought them back, and that's Vayushab. They were returned, not that he returned them to himself, and that's Vayushab. Targiano says says, Paro had them returned. It was Paro that said something and said, bring them back. Even though we don't see that in the pasuk directly, Vayushav his Paro told them, I think this is an idea. He used the word Upakid Liitosva. He commanded that they be returned. And therefore it really was Paro was involved over here. The Gur Arye understands Rashi like Targum Yonasan. But his Girsa and Rashi is different. He says, He sent after them to bring them back. Our Rashi says, They sent after him, which sounds like the advisors. I don't know which one is the best thing over here, but it sounds like, According to the Gurariye, Rashi's saying Paro sent for them like Targum Yonasan, and it sounds like from Rashi itself, what we see, Sheshoku there were other people that were involved and not the king itself. Then Itziv says, it seems the advisors suggested it to Paro, they were the most cautious people, and then Paro nodded his head in agreement, and then they went out and did it. That's the way he goes through it as well. The Bear Hetev says that exact example, and he says, like this The servants of Paro told in the previous passage, We're over. There's nothing going to be over here. Paro was silent. He didn't even nod his head. He was silent. And they took that as acquiescence that what Paro really wanted is to bring that Moshe and Aaron, but he didn't want to admit that he was wrong. So the Khartoumim did it on their own, knowing that this is really what Paro wanted, and said, Okay, Moshe, Aaron, come back. Paro wants you back. But truthfully, Paru did not say a thing. He wasn't involved, and that's why it's not mentioned over here. As far as Yonason says, Paru may not have even realized that they were brought back. He may have thought that they did it on their own, and that's why he became so insolent after they came back. He looks at Moshe Aron and says, oh, you come crawling back to me. I see you need me more than I need you. He may not have even known in the first place that they were being brought back. Vayushav happens to be in singular form, he was returned so it sounds like it would only be referring to one of them, the Ibn Ezra says that happens sometimes because Moshe was the more important one, you can say that but there's an Arugas Abosim who puts everything together we're gonna end with this for this idea Moshe and Aram Mamish left and went their separate ways Moshe went one place, Aro went the other place, Paro heard that they had left and he didn't say anything but the advisors understood let's get them back so the advisors went to go find Moshe, Vayushav S. Moshe. They returned Moshe because that's all they could find. And then they went, other people went, to go find Aaron. And separately, they returned Aaron. So it's not Vayushav Mosheva Aaron, which would indicate that they came back together. It's Vayushav S. the S. Aaron to say they came back separately, but then were brought before Paro through the non-committal agreement that Paro had given them. Yeah, Leo. So that part, hold on with. We're going to get to Miva Mi'oholechim. As of right now, right, he was brought in front of Paro, and Paro wanted to ask him, try to get, goad him into something. But we'll get to that. We are going to get to that. Actually, right now. The Baal says that Paro was hinting to him that they're not going to make it that far. If anybody remembers our Shir from last year, we talked about the Kohav known as Madim, or the Mazel that was red, Mars. And we talked about the Ra'a, which is really the Egyptian god of Ra, that he had seen for the Jews, and told them that they were going to die. We combined some of those ideas together. We talked about the deities that Egypt, as well as Paro at that time, believed in. And we talked about all those ideas. The Balatrim says, from his astrology, as we said before, he knew... Only Kalev and Yoshua would make it into Eretz Yisrael. And he was right. 600,000 Jews would leave Mitzrayim, men, between the ages of 20 and 60. Out of those 600,000 Jews, two made it in. Kalev and Yoshua, and that's it. So he turned to Moshe, and this is how the Bala term says it. He turned to Moshe and he says, Mi vami aholachim, who and who are going to go. The gematria of mi va mi aholachim is 216. Two hundred and sixteen is the same gematria as Kalev u Nun. He turned to Moshe and hinted within his words, "Who's going? You know who's going to make it? Only Kalev and Yoshua. No one else. You, Moshe, are going to die in the midbar. You're not going to make it. I can see it in the stars. You aren't going to make it." And he told him that. What was Moshe Rabbeinu's response? Moshe's response is, "You might be right." Bin Those under the age of twenty. And those over the age of 60 are also going to make it. The Naarenu, our young ones, there's a kingdom over the age of 60, they're going to go. Even if those between 20 and 60 and myself won't make it, the Ne'arim and the Zakenim are going to go. Bevanehu, bevnosehu. Our sons, says the Valaturim seemingly are going to make it in some way, shape, or form, and that's what Baba Basra says in Kopcha that they were able to make it. Beinorehu, bizkeinenu Those are the people who are going to enter the land. That's an unreal shot from the Valaturim an absolute unbelievable idea. Taima dekra, Rav Chayyim Knievsky adds to this. He says, "Well, the rest of the pasuk, bevanehu, bevnosehu, bitzonenu, What about all that?" Says Ruchayim, the Bivanenu B'no refers to certain other people. Benenu, our sons, meaning Shevet Levi, still makes it. Although the people of B'nai Yisrael from 20 to 60 died, B'nai Levi made it. So Bivanenu refers to Shevet Levi. B'no our daughters. Who's our daughters? Who are the girls that are going to make it? Every girl makes it. According to the Amalelais, no woman died in the Midbor, except for Miriam. Miriam passed away. But the women all made it to Eretz Yisrael. The women all were able to make it. So, b'v'anenu, Lady. levi. B'v'anosenu, our daughters, all of the women will make it. And then he says, b'v'karenu, so, nenu, our animals. The animals didn't die in the Midbar either. Obviously, there were some that died of age, and whatever it is, it's not like the cows miraculously lived an extra 40 years. But out of the cattle and the sheep, he said the animals were not part of the Xera. Women weren't part of it, Shevet Levy wasn't part of it, those under 20, those over 60, and this, all of them weren't part of it. That's how Tommy de DeCraw says, After I founded it in Reb Chaim and the Tommy DeCraw, I found it in the Shach. So that predates Rav Chaim by about 350 years. The Shach says exactly that. The Shach alaturo from the Rizal's Talmidim, and later I saw the Chidah in an old manuscript of the Balaturim says something very, very similar. That the old Balaturims had an addition to it that are not in the new Balaturims. That Adar talks about it, but at least there's something there. He says although Moshe Rabbein was clearly prophesying here, says the Chidah, he didn't know what he was saying. Paro said, Mi He didn't realize what he was saying. What he was saying in Hint, in Malach world, is Kalev and Yoshua are going to make it. And Moshe Rabbeinu answered him with the right words. Kalev and Yoshua plus all these people. But none of them, Paro, Moshe, Aaron, had no idea that there was another conversation going on here. They had no idea what they were really prophesying about what was happening over there. Now, another problem. It says the word Nelech, but listen to the wording of the Pasuk, Okay? Going back to Pasuk Test, it says, Our young and our old will go. Nelech is used twice. But it seems weird. Just say it all together with one Nelech. Why do you have two of them all together? And Marl Diskin says an unreal answer. He says the Na'arim and the Zakenim, the young men and the older men, could walk on their own. But the Vivanenu bivnosenu, the young children, would not be able to walk on their own. They would have to walk by riding on the sheep and the cows. So because of that, it's Vivanenu Bivno Senu our young and our old will walk on their own, and then Vitsonenu will carry the Vivanenu bivnosenu. And that's why it says Nelech, number one, the walkers, Nelech, number two, the riders. Yeah, this is so good. The moral Diskin says this. Da'yeles Ashach, or Revan Leib wonders. Anybody here do Bab Metziah, the first parak? <coughs> bab Metziah, first parak. Is Rochev kemahalich dummy or not? Is riding considered like walking or not? From this Pussach, says Revan Leib, you can prove that Rochev is kimahalich Because it says the word nelech for the children that are riding on the animals. So riders are equal to people that are walking. So you can prove Rochev <laughs> kemahalich dummy. Revan Leib sh- suggests that. But I... I, I just um, he says it and it makes no sense to me as soon as I read the Marl Diskin I'm sure you all have this question I don't know too many people that ride sheep even kids maybe you'll ride a cow how many people do you know that have ever said I've ridden a sheep before how many kids are like that I I just don't know so to say that the Bitsonenu Vivkarinu was there for the children to ride upon seems very strange to me I also I, I don't know too many people who've ridden bulls before Maybe, you know, like, at maybe like one of those places, right? Where you, like, get on, you're a cowboy. I don't know anybody who does that. But apparently, that's how the Marl Jiskin says that they went down over there. Now we're getting to the crux of the Pasuk, though. What is the Chag that they were going to celebrate? He said, there's a Chag la Hashem Lanu. There's going to be a Chag for a Kaddish Baruch Hu. What is that Chag? The Balatorin says, based on the other three times that the word Chag HaShem is used, that it's referring to Moshe Rabbeinu saying... I don't know what we're going to do over here. It could be that the women are going to be dancing in their corner, the men are going to be bringing Korbanos in their corner, and the children are going to be learning in another corner. I have no idea. It could be all the animals are going to be used for Korbanos. It could be we all need to be there together. We have no idea. We know from the Torah itself that by Harsini. The people and all of the children were there by Har Sinai. How? How did that happen? How did the kids not cry? Did anybody stay home? It seems like all of Claudius was brought to the mountain and they were all put by the foot of the mountain, by the foothills of the mountain, so that they could all see it together. So it was all the men, all the women, all the children, even the animals that they all went together. It seems that that's what it refers to. The Bala term says, we don't know what Hashem wants. It's a Chag Baruch but we have no idea what it's actually going to be, and he wasn't for all this. Says the Ramban, that's what got Paro upset. Paro says, I don't get it. He's had Chagim before. We have holidays. But we don't have a holiday like this. If you're going to bring Korbanos, that's a men's holiday. Got to watch out you're going to be on the video. But th- that's, that's going to be, that's a men's holiday. You want to go ahead and you're going to have all these children with you, what in the world are you going to do with them when everybody's bringing korbanos? What are you going to do? You're going to have the kids sitting there when you have huge shchita knives? You're going to be chopping up the animals and throwing them on fires? What are the kids going to do? Has anybody been by a public Pesach, you know, chametz burning? Is anyone else scared for the kids in those places? Scariest thing I've ever seen before in my life. I mean, in Eretz Yisrael, I really, honestly, I've never been scared in lagba Omer, even though there are thousands of kids that are literally jumping in fires that are hundreds of feet tall. Because, I don't know, it's Eretz Yisrael. It'll all work out. <laughs> I guess that's what it's going to be. But it's scary. It's scary. Now, I guess, now that I'm a father, maybe it's a little <laughs> bit different, right? But you get your kids, you know, like, stand 70 feet back from the really big garbage can kids. That, that's, that's what you want to do when it comes to something like this. But here, says the Ramban, it makes no sense. What are you going to do with these kids? So he got angry at Moshe because he said, you must be lying. There's no way you're telling the truth. If it's a chag la Hashem that you're bringing korbanos and you need the animals, then you don't need the kids. If it's for the kids, then you don't need the animals. It can't be that. What's up? I don't know. That's a good question. Were animals considered gods even if they didn't own them? I don't know, but I think that they considered deities the fact that they existed out there. And if somebody else did something with them, I don't know. I I, I know that we say about the sheep and the goats, that when they were collecting them for the Korban Pestach that the Egyptians miraculously didn't do anything, even though they were taking their gods. That's clear, and the Medrash says that. I don't know if that was true by all of them. And maybe they chose to ignore that point. Maybe they chose to ignore it. But I don't know. It's a good question. But I I, I don't think that's what would have gotten Paro upset. Paro himself probably wouldn't have gotten upset. He didn't treat the animals as gods. It would be the people, maybe. Maybe the people would be upset. The Chaim HaKadush said this from the beginning... He says, "Mivamia olachim." Says Parui looked at Moshe in the first place, and he said, "What's going on here? Who's really going? Is it you and the men, or is it you, the men, women, and children? What kind of a chag are you having, and what's going on over here?" He couldn't understand it. The Chasam Sofer says in Drushos Chelik Bay's page two twenty seven, and in his Chidushim to Psachim Ayin Aleph Aleph, that the stira that they were going through is he saying, "Look, you want to go to the desert? That's what you're asking for, right? You ask to go to the desert. Why would you go to the desert? Why would you go to the desert?" in order to bring these Corbanos. You want his bodidus. You want to be on your own. You want to have concentration. You want to think hard. You want to see God in everything. You're going to be changing diapers, changing soil diapers and running after your kids. You won't be able to concentrate. How in the world are you going to be able to concentrate there? You're bringing babysitters with you? Is that what you're going to do? He looked at him and he said, this is ridiculous, Moshe. There's sira after sira after sira. You can't do it in the city you can't even tell me, again, don't worry about Mitzrayim because there's a Vodazar there, but you can't do it in Goshen why? Because you want to have your by going to the midboard. but if you're going to mid- the midboard to have your why are you bringing your kids? Why are you bringing the wives if you bring the kids? If you don't bring the kids then the wives have to stay at home something is totally wrong here, Paro told Moshe and I don't get what you're doing at all and he gets that, and then he goes even further Says he looked at Moshe and he said what, ce- what are you celebrating? what Chag is this? What are you celebrating? You've never celebrated a Chag before. You've never had a holiday like this. Usually when you have a Chag, it's because something happened. What happened that makes you celebrate for three days in the midbar? Just think about that. What was it? What was Moshe's answer to that? I don't know. God told me yeah, we have to do it. But for what? I don't know. And that's really the answer. The answer that Moshe Rabbeinem kept telling him when Moshe Rabbeinu kept saying, according to Ramban and the Orach according and the Chassam Sofer, what are you doing? What are you doing? Moshe Rabbeinu's response is, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Hashem told me to go for three days in the mid I have no answers for you, and I'm happy. I'm good. I'm perfectly fine with whatever it's going to be. But I want you to think of this from Paro's point of view. He's looking at Moshe and saying, you don't make any sense. Just explain to me what you're doing, why you're doing this. And Moshe Rabbeinu's response is, I I don't have a response. I have no idea why we're doing this. I'm just doing it because of Kiddush Baro who said over here, that's that. Repersh in his response of Moshe Rabbeinu, says such a beautiful thing. The response that all of your leaders, every rabbi you've ever talked to, has always told you the same thing over and over and over again. There are no intermediaries in our religion. Paro's looking at them and said, why do you have to go send somebody else and they'll be motzi to you? And although we have Kohanim that bring Korbanos. And that's true. I am a Yisrael. I'm a B'chor, so I lost it. But I'm a Yisrael. I'm not going to bring Corbonos unless miraculously it's brought back to the kor- the Bachorus lost lavo. The quantum are going to be in my stead. And I'm going to have a Kohen bring my Korban. But still I have to be there. I'm the one that's doing tshuva when my korban chatas is being brought. I'm the one who has to concentrate when the korban is there. The bow of the korban has to be around. He has to be there with the animal being brought. Says Moshe Rabbeinu to Paro. Paro, I get you. You don't get it because you have priests that are, yots, that are motzi you. The priest does his thing. His celibacy counts for all of you is that even though you're sinning, your sin is mitigated by the priest's celibacy. And I get that. The priest is the one that brings the korban, so you guys don't have to be there. He's doing it. You do your own thing. And I get that. That's how you feel, because that's how your religion goes. The Jewish religion is totally different. We have to do everything. You know, there's a cop that I met here. It wasn't bad, do I wasn't arrested. It was a cop that met me here. They wanted to do a training for the Lincolnwood Police, and they wanted to do a whole thing in the show, like an active hostage type of situation. So he was doing trainings and stuff like that. So the policeman met me here, and he said, okay, so I need to find a time where you can be here. It needs to be a three-and-a-half-hour period, right, where nobody's going to be in Shoal. And I'm like, that's going to be difficult. There is no time where there's a three-and-a-half-hour period where there's no one in Shoal. There's no one there. I suggested to him, he said he can't do it, late at night. So I said, okay, so late at night would have worked if it's after 1130 before 540, 530, that would work. He's like, we're not doing it then. So I said, okay, I guess we could do, you know, cause we don't have a morning sitter here. So it could be like 9am to 12pm. He said, I can't do that either. He said, it's gotta be sometime in the afternoon. I'm like, yeah, I, I, you can't, there's nothing. Cause we have guys learning here. There's Minchamarev, right? There's everything out there. And he just said like, yeah, but how many people are there? And I was like, you know, 5,000, <laughs> okay. So I said, like you know we, we got we, we have a bunch you know a couple more people here and a couple more people there, so he's like, What do you mean you go to synagogue every day? So I'm like, well, first of all, I'm the rabbi, so yeah, right, but yeah, we all go to synagogue every day, right, right?" We all go to Shoal every day, three times a day, aside from our night Seder and our possible before morning Seder. Everybody does that because that's our religion. And that's what Paro didn't get. Paro's looking at and saying, what are you talking about? Nobody does this. Nobody does it. You have a couple priests that are Yotza designed that are sitting in Shoal and doing their thing. But nobody else. Says reverse. No. Hakadosh Baruch Hu wants us, not the leaders Not the the, the official guys in charge. He wants us, every individual, to be in shol. Men, women, children. Everybody has a chiyuv. So, yeah, there's exceptions. I'm not expecting my kid to be there from Minchamarev. Got it. Women have a tour from davening with a minion. Got it. But everybody should be around. Everybody should have something to do with this. And that's the pshat. And he says the most beautiful thing. Chag doesn't only mean holiday. Chag also means a circle. It means a circle. And he says the pshat is everyone should be in that circle to be equidistant to Akarish Baruch. As we all know, the middle of the circle, referring to Akarish Baruch, if it's a circle, everybody is equally distant from Akarish Baruch or equally close to Akarish Baruch. There's that radius, and we're all there around the edge of the circle. Says Reverse, that's the point of the Chag. Says Moshe Rabbeinu, it's a Chag for Akarish Baruch. We're all part of it. No one's accepted from that. Every bit, EXC accepted from that, right? Everybody is involved, and that's the shot behind it. Tam das, where Strombach, says that's the power of every Jew. Do you realize how powerful we are? Every single one of us has the ability to be the one. That guy you can bring, Mashiach. And we have no idea. It's going to be amazing, La'asid level when Mashiach does come. And he turns and he's like, Moshe, it was all because of you. Remember when you went to that shacharis and you daven? You did it. You did it. And everybody else is going to be like, what? you did it. And you're going to be like, that's amazing. But can you imagine? I, I know it won't happen that way. But it's just like, you missed chakras that morning. That's why I delayed a day. And you're just like, oh. <laughs> like, that's that? Can you imagine? That's the power of every Jew. Rum, it, 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 he says, he explains the idea. They think, Rum al kol goyim Hashem ala kibodo. Listen, Hashem is all the way up there. He's up there and he's of all that. That's what the non-Jews think. We say, (laughs) He lifts up those that are down. He allows us to be there. And that's the difference between us and them. That's the real difference, the idea over here. Alayna Lushabach says a lot of questions over here. I'm not going to go into the entire answer, but I'm going to say the following. Paro asked why the children would go as well as the animals. And Moshe told told them, they're going. He never really answered Paro's question. So our basic answer right now is, he said, I don't know what to do. Or he told him, your chag is different from ours. But Elena Shabek answers it. The 2 more somewhat answers. He ignores it completely. He says, it doesn't matter. I don't want to listen to you. But the Chassam Sofer says something really amazing, and I hope that everybody gets this. You know there's a machlok if you should bring children to shul. There's a Tosas in Chagiga based on the mitzvah of hakel, that you bring your kids to hakel, that the kids have to be there. So the question is, Tosas brings down from here, Mikan Somchen, to bring little kids to shul, right? Little kids to shul. Now obviously, if they're going to stare the people that are davening, that's a real problem. You can't allow little kids to be running around and doing things if people are davening, and that's a problem. It's a problem in every shul everywhere. Baruch Hashem, there are kids running around in Scholes. But on the one hand, it kind of disturbs davening and it's not the greatest thing in the world. There's so much on that, not, not that you are supposed to or that you should bring little kids to shul if there's no groups and there's nowhere for them to be, etc. But the Chassam Sofr says, there is hashbal. We say about Rabbi Yoshua ben Hanania, you know, when we go in Pirkei Avos, in the second parakeet goes through the five students of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Rabbi Elezer ben Horkinus was a bore Sid, he never lost a drop. Rabbi Yoshua was Ashrei Yolatato, happy is the one who gave birth to him. The Medrash brings down, it's in Avos to Rabbi Nassim, that Rabbi Yoshua's mother brought Rabbi Yoshua's crib when he was a little baby and had him sit by the base medrash. A little kid, baby, he would sleep by a base medrash when the people were learning. Said it would be mashpia on him. There would be something that rubs off on him. And it worked. Rabbi Yeshua became the great gadol that he became, maybe in part because his mother brought him to the base medrash when he was a baby, to be around for that. Hakel, why do kids come? Why are their kids there? That's where the Gemara Chalikah is coming from. Why are the kids there? to give schar to those who bring them not just because they're bringing the kids because the kids are affected by this they see it, it's amazing it's one of the reasons why I told my wife it's an important thing for all my kids to come with me to the, the Siamashas I understand why I can't bring a baby or maybe a kid who's three years old who's just going to get in the way and is not going to get much over there but even then there's a Mila if you could think that way that of somebody taking care of the little kids and bringing them in and seeing Klau Together, so I let them watch the video afterward. Both the New York one and the one here in Chicago said it could be at least be involved. This is what the Chassam Sofer says. He says he looked at Paro and he says you think that. What do kids need to be there for? The kids need to see this. That's how they grow. That's how they're going to become great. They're going to see it. They're going to be like, I want to be like that guy. I want to do what they're doing. That's what they're going to think to themselves. So of course we're going to bring the kids. That's what we need to do over here. And he said more so. He said, you're going to try to stop them by keeping them home. Says so said, they're going anyway. Even if you stop them, they're going to walk ahead. Even if you stop the animals, they're going to come anyway. He said, we're going. Whether you want us to or not, we are going we're going to be there that's the concept of the Chassam Sofer over here it says over here I think there's a little bit of a chilek here but I don't know if I'm right about this does everybody remember what we learned in Parshas um, in Parshas by what happened with Yosef and Ashes Potiphar why was Ashes Potiphar home I'm sorry the Chassam Sofer says that go with shots. why would Rashi why in the world was Ashes Potiphar home She faked being sick because there was a chag and they were all celebrating, everybody, men, women, and children. And she was home by herself and she said, what opportunity do I have that's better than this to get Yosef at Because everybody else was at that chag. Here's what I think, and I'm not positive because nobody says it. I'm just shocked that nobody brought this up when we're all talking about this. Paro completely understood the concept of a chag for an entire family. He understood it. Chag Asi uh, Apis. Apis, according to Rabbi Yalka Ruveni was a day where the Nile River would overflow. And on that day where the Nile River overflowed, which Revolfson says might be in late December, something to do with Saturnalia, that famous, you know, the idea that, Christian, you know, that Christmas and New Year's Day came from, in some way, shape, or form. The river would overflow, says the Medrash, Yalkar Every single year in that day, there was a little cow that flew out of the sky, started flying around. They would throw things at it. It's where they got the concept of the cow jumping over the moon from. And they would throw things at it and everybody would have a chag and everybody was celebrating. And then that night, the cow would go back down. It's the idea, says the al where they got the Egel Azov from because they remembered Yom Shoapish and they knew it was a family-oriented simcha, family-oriented chag. It seems they clearly had chagim that included children. There are chagim like that. But here's what Paro looked at Moshe and said If you're going to have a chag for children, what are you going to do? You're not bringing anything for them. You've got to do something. You've got to make it a carnival. You've got to have a circus. You've got to have something going on for them, and you're doing nothing. You're going to bring the kids, and you're going to have them sit there and what? Learn with you? You think they're going to be happy like this? It's almost like Paro is giving him suggestions on how to be mechanech his kids and how to do this. He told them this is ridiculous. It's not going to work this way. Don't do it. You want to do something different. Make it conducive toward children. Don't just sit there doing korbanos. Make pony rides. That's good according to Marl Diskin because they had like sheep rides on the way there, right? But at least do something for the kids themselves. And for that, Paro had an idea that went through over here. Maybe, maybe, I don't know, Paro said... Kids are never invited to these types of Chagin because what do you think the Egyptians did when kids came to the korbanos types places? I would assume they did child sacrifice. I would assume they killed the kids. So maybe Paro's looking at Moshe and saying, you sick, sick man. You're bringing these kids to a Korban party and you're pretending like you're all going to party together. But I know what this is and you're into child sacrifice and you're going to kill all these kids, aren't you? The sick man who used to slaughter 150 babies every morning and evening to bathe in their blood. Who would have Egyptians take the babies and throw them into the river. Who straight out asked the midwives to kill babies on the way out. And then used babies as bricks inside the walls themselves. This sick, sick man looked at Moshe. And I guess it's Khmayan punim al-punim. He looked at him and said, you're a child sacrifice guy, aren't you? And like, no. To which power said, I know what you're doing. It makes no sense what you're doing. It's got to be that that's the idea behind it. It's crazy, but such an idea, I think, comes in over here. He's questioning Moshe's motivations because he's like, he's trying to catch him. You're trying to kill your kids. Isn't that what you're trying to do? And now I have something really crazy. The Malbim says something awesome. We know the Egyptians believed in many gods. Some were in charge of good things in the world, and some of the 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 gods were in charge of evil. We spoke about it again last year with the whole concept of Ra. Ra was the god of evil or caused bad things to happen, but there were gods that were good as well. I don't want to say the names. I don't want to say it might be off a little bit, but Ibis, etc. But this, he looked at it and said, "If you're sacrificing to gods, you don't sacrifice to the good gods. By good gods, you celebrate. That's what they want." You want to celebrate by those. You sacrifice to the bad gods. Why do you sacrifice to the bad gods? You want to keep them away from you. In order to keep them away from you, you placate them by giving them a Corban, by going and bringing a Corban around there. So this is what they understood. Good gods were for celebrating. Evil gods were for placating. and something like that. They would sac- sacrifice, appease its lust for blood and anger, etc. And that would be that. Paro knew that they served Hashem Elohim. He finally admitted to it. And he said, I know you believe in Hashem Elohim. Until this time it was Elohim. Now he believes in Hashem Elohim. Hashem, we all know, what's that name known for? What's it known? Midah of? Come on, he got this. The Midah of? The opposite. Rachamim, And Elohim is the Midah of Din. If you're going for Hashem Elohim, this is what Paro was sitting there. He said, I don't get it. I don't get it. Says the Malbim. I get that you're sacrificing to us Elohim and you're partying with Midas Yudke Vavke. How could you do both together? See how we've been saying it up until now, the way the Ramban and the Chassam sofer and everybody's saying the Malbim is putting into better terms to understand it, to say, Paro said, I get it, I get what you would be doing here, but I don't get how you can do all of that, all of that together. The Kliyukar has an unbelievable parish as well that goes through where he gave him permission, but limited permission. I'm not going to go through the Kliyukar right now. You can look it up later. It's an amazing Kliyukar the Malaya Omer as well, that there is Olos that are only done while there's other types of I, I mean, Just think of it this way. Is there such a concept as a Shlomim by non-Jews? By Jews, we have Olos, Chatos, and Ashams, right? A Chatos is obviously, if you do something wrong, you bring a Korban Chatos. And Asham as well, you do something wrong, you bring an Asham. And Ola, says the Gemara, if you do a Lav that you can't get any other, you know, khat, uh, any other type of something for, you can't get any other Kapara, you can bring an Ola. Shlumim is a peace offering. And on that, power didn't understand. What would be the point of a peace offering? Why would you sacrifice a korban to God for peace? You're not placating Him. You're not trying to appease a peaceful God. You just ask Him for peace and you celebrate. You're happy. That's what it should be. I don't want to go into Greek mythology, but it really goes into this Greek mythology, this idea of how the Greek gods separated as well, where there were Greek gods that were totally evil and the Greek gods that were totally amazing, and the Greeks would separate their idols based on what those gods wanted. The bathhouses got one, the Olympics got another, and all the other, the ones where you needed rain or something would happen, etc., it was all on the other side. It was a completely different form of service. That's the idea that we're saying over here. But then there comes the obvious one. What Chag was this? What Chag was the three-day Chag that he really wanted to celebrate? We all know, right? It was the Chag of? Shavuos. Rabbeinu B'chayi says it straight out. When, pa, when he went to Par originally, and he said, let us celebrate three days in the Midbar, he asked for the Chag of Shavuos. That's what he wanted. There's an amazing Lord Chaim HaKadosh. He says, we all know that you can't be there past the 49th level of Tuma. What happens if you're there and you're in the 49th level of Tuma? What's going to happen? They're caught in Mitzrayim, they're all going to die, they're never going to be able to get out. That's what they say, right? So you can't be there if you're on the 49th level of Tuma. There's one difference. What are we on right now? If the Jews in Mitzrayim, who never changed their names, never changed their language, right, never spoke Lashon Hara, never did orias, never did orias, right, and never changed their clothing, they were on the 49th level of Tuma, what are we on right now? Says Orachim HaKadzir says, we're on like level like 643 of Tuma. So how can you get out of it? I thought you said if you're on the 50th level of tumah you can't get out. HaKadosh Baruch Hu grabbed them out of Mitzrayim because if they would have been there on the 50th level, they never would have came out. But we're on level 643. I'm making up that number, by the way. It's not real. But why, what's Pshat? It's says the most amazing thing. Before you have Torah, you can't get out of the 50th level of Tumor. But with Torah, you can pull yourself out of level 2,433. That you could do. So as long as you have Torah. So what was the point of the three days? Says the Orachim HaKadosh. To go out, get the Torah on Harsinai. I don't know if it would have been Harsinai. But to get the Torah on their Chag. And come back and finish off the 400 years. So why didn't they do that in the end? Because when Paro sent them out, everything went off. Had he sent them before this, it would have been a three day Chag. But now that he sent them out at the end, says the Orachim HaKadosh, it's over. The deal has gone. You sent us away for good. We're having Harsinai. We'll do it in our own time. <coughs> and that's when they walked slowly and eventually Kriyas Yamtov and then went around and eventually got to Harsinai 49 days later because then they didn't have to go back. What an unbelievable idea. So we are on that level. Says the Rabbin of Shavuos was going to be the Chag. It's weird because this time of the year was probably around Shvat, like right around this time, Adr, when Makas Arba and Makas Khoshoch was happening. But nonetheless... Nonetheless, it would have been Shavuot and Shavuot would have happened, and everything would have been there. But I, there's so much guys. I don't know what if we're gonna be, we're, we're not gonna be able to say everything. But I'm sorry? What were they doing on Shavuot back then before Harsina? It would have been it, what Shavuot would have been is accepting the Torah wherever it would have been, accepting the Torah, and then go right back to Mitzrayim with the Torah and continue to learn while they'd be continue so we to be slaves to, to Para to go celebrate. just for those three just days those and that's uh yeah Paro yeah, Paro was okay and that would have been the idea and they would still remain right over here I, I i don't know if i, I there's a Be'er Yosef here that's also really beautiful the day you bring a corbin and what was going to happen over there but i'm not I, again it's too much and we're not going to go through and there's a remosha title bomb and there's there's another orugas here but i think i'm going to end today with a degomachna frame a beautiful degomachna frame was this a specific day? Did he have a day in mind or was it just a random day? After all, every makkah that was over, he said, let me go, let me go for three days. Did he have a specific day in mind or was it just whatever? Is that a real chag? Can a chag just be on whatever day you want it to be and it just happens and that's all good? So Degel Machina says, there was no specific day. Anytime they went would have been the day of the holiday. So what does chag mean? What's the point of the chag? He says, until now, had agreed. That the Jews had a God like every other nation. They had a God. But it was just an Elohim. It was nothing more than that. It was just Elohim. That meat They had a God that was in charge, a God that punishes, just like every other nation. That's what he understood. He never believed in Yudke Vavke. And even when Moshe Rabbeinu told him Yudke Vavke, or yeah, what did Paro say? Mi Hashem Asher Eshma Bakolo. Who is this Yudke Vavke that I should listen to his voice? Elohim I get. Yudke Vavke, I don't get. He said those words and he didn't understand. Moshe explained that although our God allows the world to run naturally, and that's Elohim. Everybody knows the gematria of Elohim. Elohim is 86, the same gematria of HaTeva. God allows the world to run naturally. That if you wouldn't know, it seems like the world's running on its course and it's doing its own thing and it's running around and there's Mother Nature involved and everything's happening. Yes, HaKadosh Baruch Hu allows the world to run this way. But there's another aspect that allows for him at any point to switch things around and use Yud Vavke to make the world a little bit different. Paro couldn't believe it, says Dagomach Nefrain. This is the grandson of the Baal Shem Tov. He looked at it and he's like, no way, there's no way. The world runs on a natural course. According to this idea, Paro looked at him and said, look, I believe in magic just like you do. There's no real magic. Everything's sleight of hand. We do trickery, we do things, you know, whatever it is, and we do stuff like that. But everything's according in the natural world. Said Paro, the sun's going to come up every day, the sun's going to set every day. The moon's going to come up after that, the stars are going to appear in the sky. The constell- constellations are always the same. I can tell you everything that happens in the world because I know how the natural world works. So Paro looked at Moshe up and said, just stop being this way, just stop doing this because I know there's no extra thing that any god can do. God's work within the natural world and that's that. And every single one of the Makos, what did they do? They proved to Paro, little by little, that God rules over the rivers, God rules over the land, God rules over the animals, God rules over the skies, God rules over even your bodies. That Akadosh spark was in charge of everything. And things can happen just like that. An unnatural storm, like we talked about last week. An unnatural locust swarm. An unnatural choshech that went through the land. Or cataracts that went in the rise, the way the Torah to Mima says it. Everything that happens... It's so crazy. And Paro tried to excuse it by saying, well, in theory, it could be natural. In theory, a river can turn into blood. In theory, there could be a frog thing that happens. In theory, people could be overcome by lice. In theory, there could be wild animals. He kept saying it was Elohim, Elohim. Even the Khartoumim who saw Etzba Elohim he, they saw that it's still within the natural order. It's just something that we can't do ourselves. It's a finger pointing. There's something wrong here. We just can't do it yet. They didn't see the full yad of Hashem until Kriyas Yamsuf. They didn't realize that Yud K Vovke was involved, Yad Yud K Vovke until Kriyas Yamsuf itself. All of a sudden, all of a sudden Paro began to be maskim. And if you've ever wondered, you've seen that Va'ira is seven Makos and the three Makos that are over here are separated from each other. Obviously, it's very easy to put all ten Makos in the same Parsha. And don't tell me. if Naso can be 176 Pesukim. Va'ira could have been 176 Pesukim. Okay, it wasn't that big of a deal to put them all together. The reason why they're separate and the reason why they're going through is because Paro's starting to see a little bit of a, what do they call it, a chink in the armor, right? Where there's something a little bit wrong. L'chu ivdu, Go and serve. Go serve Hashem, who is known as your Elohim. Moshe heard those words and he said, Hashem, I heard you say it. I heard you. That's the separation. The first seven makos were still Elohim, 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 Elohim. After Barad, he switched to, I believe in Hashem. I get it that you have a Hashem, but I'm still so hardened of heart. I, I can't give in. I absolutely can't give in. Moshe heard him admit at that point. He said, that's the shots, Guys, what happens at the end of days? What happens? Venamar. Olenu. The end. Vinamar. Tell me, guys. The end of Olenu. Wow. V'hoya Hashem yeah. l'melech al by Yomahu on that day... Yashem Echad Ushmo Echad. His name is going to be one. They're going to put all the nations of the world, they're going to realize, not only is it Elohim, not only is there a natural world, not only does a scientist see everything and say, oh, this is how the world works, I can figure it out, there's a God particle. He's going to see that with the Elohim, there is Yud Kei They won't need a trillion dollar machine to figure it out. They're going to look at the world, and this is what's going to be. Blah Asad Levoh, Mashiach going to come, things are going to change, and it's Hashem Elohim. Moshe heard it from Paro, Hashem Elokeichem, go serve Hashem Elokeichem, and that's when he said, Chag La Hashem Lemachor, that's the Chag that we're going to have, the Chag is the ultimate day where everyone admits that Kaddish Baruch Hu is elokim. where everyone admits it together, Paro didn't get it, he said, that's ridiculous, I don't understand what you're doing, there's no way that you can have such a Chag, and he went back to thinking there's elokim and something that Hashem has, at the end of the day, the ultimate Chag, the ultimate Chag still hasn't occurred because there were still people who denied it. Amalek didn't deny it. At the end of the day, what we're waiting for is that final day where every person in the world gets up and says, like Paro, guys, Jews, lechu ivdu es Hashem Elokeichem. Get up and serve Hashem, your God. Not just Elohim, but Hashem with Elohim. That's what we're waiting for, guys. That's what we're waiting for. And Moshe, as I said before, it's up to your shachars. You do that shot for us. That's all we're waiting for, and it's all there. We'll stop with that, guys. Have a great Shabbos.